Hi, and welcome to Steel Wheel Stories. With your host, Chris Jowett and Jake Somerville, where we talk about stories of collecting, restoring, and showing antique tractors and steam engines built before 1930. Join us while we and guests share stories about the hunt, tales of restoring, and memories of enjoying. Steel Wheel Stories is proudly sponsored by Engineers and Engines Magazine. A printed, full-color, bi-monthly magazine for all the steam, gas, tractor, railroad, locomotive, and farm machinery enthusiasts. Call or email Brenda Stamp for your subscription today. Email address brenda at engineersandengines.com or phone number 410-673-2414. Mention Steel Wheel Stories when purchasing and get your first magazine free. All right, guys, welcome to episode 12. Uh, for the first time ever, Jake and I are together tonight podcasting this. Uh, he was in town for work, so we said, you know, we might as well do it while you're here. And uh, so we're face-to-face right here for the first time ever and uh, ready to bring you some content. Um, we kind of started out a little early afternoon playing over at the shop, had... We got our 50 case out and uh, fired up. We're taking it to the Platte City Steam Show uh, this weekend, uh, which I guess will be the, by the time you uh, hear this episode, it'll be after the show. But anyways, uh, then we had uh, got the 4080 Avery out and kind of took it for a little spin. We had some rain earlier today, so just driving around our yard and stuff like that and enjoying uh, some of the cooler weather anyways around here. Yeah, I don't know about cooler weather. It was the humidity was pretty ridiculous today, but yeah, I got out of the out of the car there after an hour and a half in the air conditioning. I immediately started sweating, but it was still a good afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the first time I'd seen the forty eighty uh, Avery since you you guys got it home. I, after we got it out of the the barn there where our tractor came from, and nice to go for a ride on that. Finally, after seeing all the videos and everything. Yeah, it was kind of weird to think that that's the first time you'd seen it since, like, we first seen it, because, uh, so, to kind of lead up to this a little bit more, so Jake and I both bought tractors from a collection, and uh, we had always planned that if we could get this deal done, we would both go to the place at the same time, and he would get their 3060 Altman Taylor, and we would get our 4080 Avery, and as the as the days of the of all this kind of led up to each other some winter weather was moving in and jake and them were kind of dead set on the days they could go and my dad and i were kind of like obviously we were closer to it so dad and i were kind of like man we we wish it would probably go up because it's supposed to be a lot nicer i mean when jake was there it was frigid freezing and everything else and wind was blowing it was a miserable day so we ended up going up a couple of days before uh, Jake did and, and all that. So, uh, I mean, I, I got to see his tractor when I was there the, the second time uh, there after we purchased. But by the time he made it there, our, our Avery was gone. So this was kind of the first time he'd gotten to see it since uh, the, the very first time we'd seen it going on two years ago yeah, now. Been, Is that right? I, I think it's closer to three years now. I, I think, think 21... 2021 was when we went i think i'm gonna have to go back and look up it's been a while yeah so yeah it was it was kind of you know hard to realize that it had been that long and and uh since he had seen it but 
it was fun to you know fire the thing up we we kidded around about <laughs> here uh i guess it was last night or the night or earlier in the week anyways uh we kidded around about how we were going to do a facebook live of uh uh firing the avery up and we had the 50 fired up and all that kind of stuff and we just i don't know it was well i, I do feel i 100 percent believe that if it wasn't as hot and humid today i think we would have done it but something yeah we were uh both pretty sweaty and hot and and getting the phone out and taking a video was kind of the last thing on our mind but uh it was a good evening after all so yeah good to go for a ride on it finally and yeah it's been been a good evening this is gonna be fun tonight being face to face instead of i don't know what are we 700 miles away normally 700 700 miles away normally and love telephone wire between here and there Uh, don't get me wrong that's always great and everything but this will be fun tonight yeah yeah so anyways uh we're gonna get started we have uh another guest tonight uh he is joining us from hobart indiana uh justin click hey guys how what are you up to today justin you've been uh, staying busy in the shop yeah we're always real busy there's usually stuff stacked to the ceiling to do like like usual yeah yeah so for those of you that might not know who you are which i'm hoping that most of the listeners do know who you are but why don't you uh kind of tell us about yourself uh what you do for a living and all that kind of stuff uh so I'm over here in Hobart, Indiana, over in the corner, uh, not too far from Chicago. And what we do is we mainly restore uh, all pre-30 tractors, the big steel-wheeled stuff, and a uh, little bit of steam stuff once in a while for ourselves, and just kind of, I don't know, work on old tractors all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and and avid collector you know yourself uh you have quite the collection i mean i've been to your place a couple times and it uh i, I know for sure the first time i was there i was kind of like man he's got a lot more stuff than what i ever really thought it's not you know for a long time uh i mean we've known each other in person for several years now but uh until we finally got to your place and seen everything you had it's not like you post all the pictures of everything you own on the internet or whatever you know you have a lot more pieces than what uh what I really thought, and a lot of rare stuff, and a lot of neat stuff. Yeah, I usually, I usually kind of keep quiet about that. I, I like to get to know people first before I necessarily worry about what they got in their barn. Sure, yeah. sure. How did you uh, get started in the tractor restoration business? Well, <clears throat> I guess I'd always been messing around with tractors and lawnmowers and all that, and I started when I was a kid by dragging home stuff out of the garbage and Oh, then that just kept getting out of control, and I wanted something. Uh, always wanted to get try to get something better, or bigger, or whatever. Kind of like the guy starting with a pencil and trading for a house. And then uh, I went to the Crown Point show for years, and then George used to go there. And and then when I was around 20 years old, George uh, Schaff asked me, "Hey, you want to come help me work on this big stuff?" And I said, "Sure." And uh, so I started working for George. I guess I cut my teeth there in the beginning. Uh-huh. What all, uh, you know, what all did you restore while you were there? Can you kind of give us a, a scoop in on what you were doing there for over the years? Oh, man, that place was like a revolving door. Uh, there been all several, kinds of Avery's. Several auctions there, right? Three? Two? Oh, three. yeah, always. Yeah. Always. And it was, it was a lot of work just keeping stuff running. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Let alone, you know, let alone restoring it and, you know, mainly Bill and Dan that work there, they do they do most of the work, and then I do some of the mechanical stuff, and, and it's just hard to remember. It's just, it's been so much. I mean, I can tell you I've 
I've beat on a thirty sixty case with a sledgehammer, so <laughs> not many people yeah, can say that. Not no, many not many people, people have, have beat one of them up with a sledgehammer, but uh maybe the scrap man that was scrapping all of them back yeah, in the day. Been, yeah. It's been years yeah. since someone did that. Right. I remember beating a flywheel on that thing. Uh but I was pretty young then. But uh yeah, it's it's just hard to rem- I mean it's just been so much has went through there. So many different shapes and sizes and it's just hard to remember. Yeah. I remember, I mean, I don't know like what year the the auction was, like where he sold the, the 3060 case and the Huber and all that kind of stuff. But I remember looking back on engine ads and seeing the auction results and all that kind of stuff. And just, man, astronomical prices for some stuff and just stuff you don't see every day that comes up at an auction. That's for sure. Right, and just to think he's done it three times. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, pretty crazy. And it's pretty neat to see a guy like that that uh, pretty actively shows us stuff and, and one thing Works or another. It. I remember, oh man, I got to think back. I'm going to, oh, probably 2003 or four or something. They had the Case Expo at Lathrop. And yep, he took the 4072. Yeah, yeah. George uh, uh, hauled a tractor or two tractors or something. And it was even a, a one of the uh, local uh, trucking companies that's here, uh, Lion and Lion uh, Trucking. They even hauled him down, if I remember right. Uh, went up there and got him and hauled him down here and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but yeah, I remember him hauling stuff down there and, and you know hearing his name and everything. And uh, kind of always stuck with me since then. It, uh, so you've had a little bit of, uh, or a lot, I guess, or whatever, uh, been in the steam and stuff too, uh, throughout the antique tractor and stuff. Uh, what was kind of your first, you know, say pre 30 tractor that you collected for yourself? So I remember the, the oldest thing, the first old thing, I guess I'll say was a uh, mid twenties cleat track that I drug home out of a junkyard. Yeah. Uh, it was, let's see. Right around 2002 or three, just before I got married, I remember dragging it home, and um, it was covered in mold and crap, and my wife goes, why did you buy that? Like, that thing looks <laughs> awful. Uh, so I remember that, and I remember taking that all apart in the garage and redoing that and uh, got that thing all done nice, and then she, and she said, oh, that's really nice. Okay. <laughs> It sounds like your wife gave you a little more acceptance than mine does some days. She doesn't. I don't. She just says something's ugly or not. That's about it. It, I I, I always tell her the uglier, the better. Yeah. (laughs) But I I would say that was probably the first, you know, old, old thing I drug home because I had a couple two-cylinder John Deere's around. Sure. Um, then, uh, I got a little scale model steam engine after that, that was half done and I finished that up and. Oh, really? I never knew that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I, I guess I had those two little things then and I think it just went out of control after that, I suppose. Yeah. It's kind of funny, uh, how that happens. I remember at one time between dad and I, uh, oil pull, like lightweight oil will pull wise like man i think we owned four or five of them between the two of us or something or other and at one time it was like we always talked about you know having a prairie tractor or whatever you know and it's like man if we sold four or five of these lightweights you know like that's the cost of a prairie tractor and all the realm of it and then next thing you know you you get drinking that tea and going down that route you know snowballs Mm, yeah 
Yeah, uh, that's and that's. I did the same thing. I think I had oh, I think I had twelve or thirteen things and three or four Rumleys, and I sold them all, and I bought my first big tractor. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> There's Graham Sellers always says, uh, and I, I'd I'd really like to get a sign or something like made or laser cut out of a Russ on board or something. Uh, <clears throat> He always said, if you don't have big iron, you don't have shit. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something he'd yeah, say, too. Yeah, yeah and, that and, sounds exactly like him. I mean, repeatedly. I mean, you would you would always hear it wherever he went. It did come out of his mouth, whatever. <laughs> you know, he always had big and iron then he'd and get everything. That, and he'd get that grin after he said that. You know, I could uh, see it. Yeah, yeah. You don't have big iron, you don't have shit. <laughs> so you're working That's for... Great. George there and then uh eventually decided to kind of go out and do your own thing then or how did that uh, all get started uh, into being a business owner there So I've I I guess I still work for George. I've never really stopped. Um I was working when I was young, I was working three jobs. I was working in the steel mill and I worked in the tractor shop in the steel mill of all things, working on little tractors and welders and generators and went through the apprenticeship out there. Um, then in, there was a used tractor dealership in town and I would do all their rear ends and engines and whatever hydraulic problems. So that, you know, on the stuff that the guy would take in on trade so he could sell it. Mm-hmm. And then I was working at George's two days a week. Um, I would go there from seven in the morning till two in the afternoon. And then I'd work afternoons in the mill um, three to 11s. I did that for years. So I, I think, I don't know, in 2012, I finally quit the steel mill. Uh, George told me I'm, I'm a wimp if I don't quit. <laughs> so, cause I don't even know why I was, I just, I kept working in the mill. I thought, well, this is dumb. I, I, I would call off in the mill cause I could stay home and make more money and be happier. Sure. Yeah. Instead of going to work. So I finally, I said, I quit the mill. It just didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the rest is history, but yeah, I was doing three things and, you know, and not to mention restoring my own stuff in the garage or fixing things for people all over the place. Even back then I was still, you know, Hey, can you come look at this? Hey, can you come look at that? Mm-hmm. Do you still have that, uh, clee track that you had or that long gone? Uh, I sold that when I bought my big Minneapolis. That was part of the flushing the toilet. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> making room yeah, in the make, barn, making room and, in the barn, money in the pocket. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even have a barn. <laughs> I, I bought the tractor before the barn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Build it and they will come, or buy it, buy right. it, and buy it, and it will be built. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Yeah, yeah. There's no money for a barn. <laughs> it's funny you say I'm that. Telling, I'm, that's where I'm at right now. I'm yeah. <laughs> sitting here at Chris's. We just went out and kind of walked his skeleton barn, and I'm like getting barn envy. And I'm like, man, but there's this other thing I'm out there kind of chasing, and I don't know if I need to spend the money on it or go build a barn. Or the famous uh, thing around our place was that my grandpa would always start filling a barn up before it was ever finished being built. You know, and it's uh it's it's funny because I thought you know at some point in our lives like maybe we won't be like that anymore maybe we'll just wait for the barn to be done decide how we're gonna fill it and go from there and dad was my dad's getting a building build also uh, kind of about the same time I'm getting mine built up here and 
he was already saying he was like well i think we'll put that over there you know as soon as it gets built before the concrete and i was like you're gonna we always made fun of my grandpa doing that you know and i was like you're gonna be just like grandpa you're gonna have this thing built or filled up before it's ever even built or even finished or anything like that you know it's an addiction that's for sure that's bad and the thing yeah. is it's too easy to buy stuff that's the thing yeah you gotta say no like I know cigarettes or something. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it, it's an addiction. It's like it's like a drug. I feel like I've gotten a lot better over the years about saying no about certain things. Uh, I was just skimming um, the internet last night, and some auction popped up. That's it's like a big iron auction. I think it. I think it might end this weekend or something or other. That's down in Kansas, and mm-hmm. there was a heart par or something or other. And I was like, man, the old Chris, like the two year ago Chris, like he would have been done registered and bidding on that <laughs> thing. But I'm not gonna do it. I told myself, you know. No. Oh. <laughs> so uh, you started up your own business there eventually, and and started restoring tractors for people and and all that kind of stuff. Uh, what uh, you know. You did a lot of work for Jared Rubel, and, and I think everybody that listens to this probably has heard of Jared or, or knew him personally or whatever, and both Jake and I uh, knew him, probably not as well as you have over the years and all that kind of stuff, but you kind of uh, had a working relationship there with him and, and restored a lot of tractors for him, and I think a lot of the, uh, I mean, I can sit here and think back of the tractors that I've seen come out of your shop that you did for him, and uh, pretty pace setting stuff in my mind of of a good restoration and uh, mechanically sound and uh, cosmetically just perfect in ways and i mean i honestly uh look back sometimes at some of the stuff that was coming out of your shop and and really think that you set the pace for a lot of people and what they strive to have nowadays for restorations you know um what I guess, I, I mean, George kind of did this, or he did do the same thing with the stuff he did. So did you just kind of get this idea in your head of what George was doing was what you felt that everybody wanted to see and, and was wanting just kind of following that lines or what kind of, I mean, I can, I can fully sit here and say today is the stuff that leaves my shop, I feel like reflects uh, some of the stuff that comes out of your shop and what I want to see and how it wants to operate and run and everything else. And along with some other shops that are doing some good restorations out there. Um, but I feel like maybe early on in the days that you were doing it, it was still maybe a little extravagant for what people were wanting to see. Uh, but you just really have stuck to that over the years. And I've really appreciated that about all the stuff that came out of your shop in the, in the beginning and still comes out today, you know, uh, you really were a pace setter with a lot of that stuff. Well, I guess we learned a lot from George. And, uh, you know, just I guess the way that George wanted stuff, he always wanted stuff real nice. Um, another good friend of mine, uh, Wendell Kelch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've always talked with him too because he was another guy in the, I guess, earlier on doing real good stuff. Yeah, so I yep. always. I guess, you know, even uh, even right out of high school, I remember going down to Rushville before I got married and seeing some of the stuff that Wendell did. And I would work I was working at George's at the time. And then Wendell was also friends with George and got information on painting and stuff. You know, same same deal. You know, let's we're painting tractors. Let's use let's use real high quality paint and Mm -hmm. let's. You know, I guess doing things different than had been done for years and years. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, and I always thought, you know, 
And then George was always working stuff. He was always out there. We'd paint it and he'd go out and drag it in the mud yeah. or go pull a plow or whatever. And I thought, you know, this, this is, this is what I want to see. I want to see this stuff come to life. I don't want to see it sitting somewhere. I want it to be capable of running. So don't want that um, static display of a tractor just sits on a lineup and no, I just I, exactly. I didn't want the, the, the Congo line of tractors. I thought this is, you know, people like action and they want to see stuff running and, um, and that's what I enjoy is to go out and run stuff. Yeah. Making the really oddball and kind of weird stuff that never really ran that great from the factory, making it run really even better than it came out of the factory. Uh, well, that's the goal. We try. Sometimes there's that thing that you just can't get better. Yeah. I remember years ago, I mean, I don't know, sitting there thinking like say early Facebook days and seeing videos that you would post of stuff running and it was like, man, that thing is running exactly how it should have ran and nine times out of ten when you go to a tractor show or a steam show and see something run, it's like not that. That that's not <laughs> right, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> Justin has the ear and the eye for what needs to what it needs to sound like, what it needs to run like and and uh, that's some knowledge that you've passed over to me uh, throughout the f- uh, few prairie tractors that we own. And, and one thing or another about, you know, things to do and the little things that make a big difference along the way to, to get the same outcome in the end of things running just magnificent, just perfect. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, you know, um, like when earlier tonight when we had the Avery fired up there and, you know, thing fired. Well, I say the thing fired right up. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Somebody forgot to turn the gas on. I'm not going to mention any <laughs> names, but you know, this thing sitting there just running perfectly and never missed a beat. And you know, it's just. Uh, I sometimes I still have to pinch myself when it comes to some of that stuff to to realize that I own that piece and it runs like that or whatever else you know and. Uh, then again, I feel like uh, you really set the pace for some of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I used to, when I was a little kid, I'd get upset because my dad wouldn't go get me a new go-kart or a new moped or nothing like all the other kids in the neighborhood. And I was always, I, I was always dug, dragging junk out of the out of the trash. So I had to figure out how to make something run. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a bunch of money. I didn't have a bunch of money to go buy anything. So I had to. I had to take something bad and try to make it good. So it was always, always a struggle, like fixing a snowmobile, fixing a dirt bike, whatever. What, you know, how can I make this thing run good so I can go out with my buddies Mm -hmm. on some piece of junk? Mm -hmm. So I guess, you know, that's where I learned to make things, you know, Hey, this doesn't sound right or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's fiddle with this till we get it to run right. Sure. I really, really enjoy and i think most people do enjoy the the facebook videos of you starting these pieces of junk that come into the into the shop yard there and after you've done your little magic tricks to them uh kind of all across the board mechanically and you go up and you spend the five minutes going around and greasing everything and uh you go ahead you know pull it pull it over top dead center and the thing just starts up and uh I say that I like them. I think most people like them because if you look at the number of views on some of those videos, it's like up over like 50,000 views on some of these 
really old prairie tractors. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> the, there, there's a there's a WD forty international. Yes, that one. video that I did. It's at eight million right now. It's fucking I crazy. Just, it's crazy. I just did that. So I because Bill Bill bought it. He didn't know how to start it. I said, "Here, I'll make you a video." And I literally just that's just from the seat of my pants. That isn't nothing. <laughs> I didn't rehearse that or read a book or anything. It's just. I learned how to deal with those tractors, and same thing. Like I, I called Wendell because I don't know everything. That's his. He's been around them thirty years longer than I have. Hey, what do I do? Do this, that, this. Okay, thanks. So I said, here, Bill, I'll make a quick video. That's all it was, and it's over eight million. And I thought, what in the world? That's wild. Uh, that's crazy. I didn't. I didn't know it was that high. Uh, oh, the, you've, the, you've the Minneapolis one. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I, I've definitely seen them. Yeah. That the, yeah, the uh, Minneapolis one's at three or four million. It's crazy. Yeah, the Type A International's way up there too. I think, isn't it? Uh, oh yeah, a couple. There's three or four of them that are over a million. It's nuts. It's I, I would have never thought. Yeah. Crazy. I see the but numbers. On people, there. <laughs> my jaw drops. <laughs> people like life. stuff in motion, in action, and then I I think sometimes they're waiting for me to get wrapped up in it or something or. <laughs> or uh you know because everybody's always on what is this crazy wheel this guy's turning or, yeah yeah you know what's going to happen to him i think the, and, the uh, best part is you, you never show your face and then all well, of a sudden wants, just, nobody needs to see me i ain't nothing to look at <laughs> all of a sudden you, your phone kind of like wobbles out of your hand or something as you're pulling on the flywheel or you know pumping the uh the primer or the uh, fuel pump or <laughs> something <laughs> oh man i don't know i i really enjoy those videos but it's crazy how many views it's it's pretty unbelievable it, well it's it's like i said it's the action it's the yeah or and i hope that people have paid attention to what i was doing and maybe it made their life easier like sure sure you know hey this is what you guys need to do and it and it also shows people this stuff really isn't a struggle. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember like a point in my life where I wish that there was a video like that on starting a lightweight Rumley or something or other, you know, uh, just a simple little video like that to kind of give you a basis to go off of to figure out how to start your damn tractor you just bought, you know. Right. And there is some stuff on on YouTube, but man, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's every way, but the right way to do something. And, and I, a lot of them videos I'm watching, I am waiting for somebody to get wrapped up in it. And yeah. it's just sheer luck. They don't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel like I kind of grew up a little bit in the era that, uh, lots of these prairie tractors and different stuff that I would see, uh, different shows, I mean, these guys were spending hours trying to get these things running, you know, just crank after crank after crank. And, uh, you know, I, I've told several people nowadays that, man, if that thing ain't starting after the first or second compression, like something's wrong. That's what's going through my head at that point, you know, like, we right, need to go stop check this. And look. Yeah, stop and look. Don't waste your freaking, all your strength, all your afternoon cranking on this stupid thing, you know. there, There's more to it than that, you know. Right. I mean... I like to have fun. I don't want to struggle. No, no. It's just no fun to struggle for nobody. Yeah. No, that's that's good stuff. I uh, I something I did want to touch on while we were talking here was kind of the little bit of story behind your Holt seventy five and how you came about acquiring that and and one thing or another and uh, that's a pretty neat story behind it and and, and a really neat tractor and in a way once again to me it was kind of the 
one of the first Holt 75s you've seen out of the show circuit that was out there working and doing something and not just a, like, I think the first Holt 75 that I've seen in person, um, I think was at the HEA, uh, show in Bowling Green and I, it may have been fired up a few times while I was there or something or other, but basically just a static display most of the time that I remember being there. Uh, versus, like, say, the very first time I ever seen your Holt 75 in action, probably on the dyno or something or other at Wasion or whatever, you know, and it's like you were out there working it, you were enjoying it, and showing people what it does, you know. Sure. Well, yeah, I guess a lot of people never got to see one hardly this side of the Mississippi because they're... Well, yeah, yeah. I mean... Especially after going out there to Santa Margarita and seeing all that stuff out there. I mean, uh, man, that stuff just, it's like it, it well, it did. It did origin out there and lived out there. It's the Rumley of California. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that stuff is just, think that, I mean, the stuff is rare and it's, a, it's very sparse stuff, uh, you know, but it's even more sparse out this way versus out that way and to go in one place and seeing that much stuff of, of that caliber of stuff of Holt and best stuff and everything else. It's pretty wild, you know, and I've always had a pretty good passion for the construction equipment stuff because just kind of our background of what we used to do work on heavy equipment and all that kind of stuff always been into it. And it just neat stuff to me. Yeah. I, I sat on a bulldozer and a loader and a water truck when I was a kid from the time I was, three years old to probably 10 years old in a rock quarry with my dad. So. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, some of my favorite stuff too. Basically grew up around the quarries cause my dad and grandpa were doing the work there and everything else. And you know, dad and grandpa over the years, they were always buying a track loader or a dozer and fixing it up to resell or whatever before they, my grandpa always owned a business of his own and my dad always worked somewhere else. And then they eventually went together and just had a business of their own. So then it was, Every day when I got home from school, they were working on something because that's what they were doing. They were right there at the shop working, and that's where I was at as soon as I got off the school bus. You know, it's just uh, lived and breathed it for such a long time. And uh, always uh, looking back at old pictures of my grandpa working on the stuff back in the 40s and 50s and everything else. And uh, always had a pretty good passion for the construction equipment stuff. And, you know, like having a cat 60 was always kind of like the one thing i'd always want like i bought a really piece of crap cat 30 one time it was the probably the worst money i'd ever spent in my entire <laughs> life and i was lucky I, I was so lucky just to sell it and get my money back and i i lost the money i had invested in uh going to get the thing and trucking and everything else you know and uh you know, I always thought that one day, I'd, man, I'd just really like to have a Cat 60. And then luckily, uh, here a few years ago, was able to get all that to work out thanks to you. And it, uh, I don't know, that construction equipment stuff has always uh, been pretty neat to me. And I remember when your Holt 75, I believe it got posted on the ACMOC, uh form at the time is how it got posted for sale. Is that correct? Is that yeah, how you found out about was, it? Or Yeah, it was on ACMOC, but it was some crazy price and it was a uh, some Me a mexican guy and uh, i guess a lot of people thought it was a scam and uh, a buddy of mine at the time in california said oh you should just call him and i thought ah uh, okay fine and i called him and and i remember this guy's telling me yeah it's my they're my cousin's tractors and they're in laredo texas right on the rio grande and gave me some wild price and i you know and i remember i said I said, geez, maybe for a 
you know, a running one and everything. I said, this thing's in the weeds, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's, you know, and he says, okay, you know, well, what do you think? And I don't know what I told him. But I gave him a price and he said, well, I'll call you back. And he called me back and he said, well, take it. And I said, oh, no, because I didn't have any, the money. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now? And I thought this is really happening, you know. And I think I had a 2550 Avery at the time. And I called up another buddy of mine. I said, hey, you want to buy this? He's like, yeah, I'll take it. So, And then I might have, I think I borrowed a little money at the bank or whatever. And I went and, and um, I called the guy back. And I remember I said, okay, you know, um, how am I going to do this? And I remember him, he gave me the address. And I looked on Google Earth. And sure enough, there it was sitting next to the building. I said, okay, so this is for real. And he said, well, they don't speak English. And and he said, I'll meet you at a rest stop and all this wild stuff. And then I, I remember, I'll never forget the guy's names. And, and I'm sure you guys have all heard this goofy, crazy joke in a bar or something. They were all named Juan. There was five <laughs> brothers. And, they were, and I'm not, I wish I could make this up. And it wasn't like one, two, three, four. It was, they, they all had different middle names, but they were all the same last name. It, it, it was the wildest thing. So I go to the, I remember I go to the bank to get cashier's checks and they wanted five checks all in equal amounts <laughs> to each one. And the lady's like, what in the world are you buying there? Because it's all these very, very heavy Hispanic names. And uh-huh. I said, drugs. I told the bank lady that I'm buying <laughs> drugs. And, and she just looked at me and she's like, no, you're not. I said, I'm buying old tracker. She said, okay. And uh, so I remember I went down there and a friend of mine, Robbie, picked me up at the airport because he said, hey, man, you want to be packing where we're going because this is a rough side of Laredo. And I'm thinking, oh, how bad can it be? Sure enough, we get there and these guys were the nicest guys. They, none of them spoke a word of English. Mm-hmm. So uh, and this other guy, their cousin, is talking to them and we're talking back and forth. And they're all 50, 60 years old and they were playing on this thing when they were kids. Um these guys, their dad had ran a dealership fixing heavy equipment, and it was their lawn ornament at the dealership for fixing heavy equipment, and it was right along the Rio Grande. The Rio Grande was across the street, but Laredo was kind of weird. You can just kind of come and go in and out of Mexico. It, it, it reminds you of Mexico. There's tumbleweeds and wild dogs running around everywhere, mm-hmm. and it's and it looks like a third world country where this thing was at. Um, the thing was covered in marijuana. I mean... Uh, they weren't smoking it, but it just grows everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember getting it out of the weeds, and I hired a truck driver. And uh, I remember he, he had red shoes on. I remember that. I don't know why. He had these bright <laughs> red shoes on, this truck driver. And I remember him telling us that we're crazy, taking this old shit. And um, it was just the wildest. The whole thing was wild. And, and their dad had found it in the desert back in the 50s it, and. uh it was an artillery hauler, and they had a, the government had abandoned it. So the tractor had never been used very much. It must have quit or something when they were pulling the artillery around or whatever they were doing, because there's no farming or nothing down there, Yeah, hardly, unless you're right on the river. And even then, it's rocky, and it, there would be no reason to have a holt down there other than Laredo was a big, where there was a big base during the Mexican Revolution right around World War One, and there's pictures of holts running around Laredo. So my guess is this is one of those holts. And of course it is, you know, the government orders nothing but the best. So it had turning brakes on it. It's got, uh, 
the rear end is twice the size, like the axle running through the rear end and all that is a regular one. It's it's obviously some kind of military one because it's not normal. Really? I guess I didn't, and I didn't know, know that. that. Yeah. We didn't know that either, but if you put mine next to another one, the main shaft that runs through the back, the pillow blocks, all the everything is twice the size of a regular one. Huh. So that, that was odd to me. So you got the thing home there, and uh, what all did you have to do to it to kind of get the thing back operational there? You know what? Uh, everything was stuck on it, but I didn't even put I didn't even put valves in it or nothing. Didn't even put piston rings in it. There was nothing wrong with it. Uh, it was just stuck so everything came apart you know it's full of lizards and snakes <laughs> hopefully um, not alive oh, by the man. time you got back man uh in the cylinder there was there was a lizard in the cylinder but <laughs> it, they're just the lizards down there are like mice out here they're yeah, yeah. they're just yeah. little blue and yeah. blue and yellow and green lizards nothing would have never survived the winter up there anyways right <laughs> um but no, I really, I mean, honestly, uh, I think I put new valve springs in it. That was it. Just, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. I didn't even take the radiator apart on it. <clears throat> but, how I it mean, it was all today. Is that how it still is? Is that how you still run on it? Yeah. Have you done stuff to it since? Yep. No, I haven't done nothing to it. I, I, I relined the steering clutches, uh, put a main new frictions in the main clutch. Um, I no, that's it. I mean, it just has no wear on it. Speaking of that main clutch, that was something that was kind of weird when he first, I remember he first told me about it, how those main uh, clutch discs were made out of brass. They weren't made out of fiber or anything like that, you know. Oh, yeah. Holt wanted you to oil the clutch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what their thought process was. You know, I. that's why I took the steel discs out of this one and I put uh, frictions in it mm-hmm. so it wasn't so rattly because sure. the rattle drove me nuts because it oh, was... Yeah all metal inside that clutch yeah 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 different idea about stuff there yeah and i guess after you kind of owned your own there you kind of opened the door where you got some business there in the shop of working on some other people's and and restoring a few and stuff like that yeah pretty soon you know the other guy said oh man that one works good you want to fix mine and sure and then all of a sudden we've got four holt 75 sitting at the house (laughs) yeah you know (laughs) there's there's two here right now and um the work speaks for itself there. So, you know, here we are fixing fixing more holts. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I I don't know. I Yeah, I got one. I learned about it. Now we're doing more. Sure. Well, it was, it was definitely a, a showstopper at Mason there last year when you had it there. There was a lot of people that, well, I don't know if there's another one in the state of Michigan. I maybe you might know. But uh, I, I, I don't think so. So that I mean, for most of the you know seven to ten thousand people that come through the gate there, I mean that probably had never seen one before. So to have that there and just kind of purring along, and well, he took it out and plowed with it and brought it over and put it on the dyno and everything, and it was a well, that was a really really cool thing to have up there. I think there were a lot of people that appreciated it being there. Yeah, I I like to try and take stuff to shows where people have never got to see that particular thing yeah yeah i remember when you were you pulling know, so- the tractor sorry to interrupt you there the i remember when you're pulling the tractor pull with it there mason like i feel like the entire show stopped 
when you were pulling the tractor pull there and just hearing that freaking thing thump down through there and the front end off the ground and everything else. Like, I don't feel like there was anybody at that show that wasn't looking that direction because yeah. for somebody, uh, say, just unlike me and Jake, that hasn't ever seen the thing work and that that's a normal thing for the front end to come off the ground and stuff like that, like everybody else is sitting there like, this guy's about to die or something <laughs> or other, you know? <laughs> yeah. Is this crazy yeah. dude. <laughs> Yeah, the front wheel is just a suggestion. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that's 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 all it is. I mean, once you're under a load with them, uh, the front wheel's usually floating off the ground a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Whether you see it or you don't, so you mainly use the clutches to steer them. That's it. The uh, the guy that runs that uh, the six bottom plow here at Mason, Pat, he uh, the one you're pulling around. He, I mean, he just can't say enough about it. He he really enjoyed you pulling that plow around because them hydraulic plows there at, uh, that we pull around, I mean, you can put them in essentially as, as deep as they'll go. And he said he, he put it all the way in, all the way down to the beam, and he said that thing's just got un, unbelievable power. Well, I had to knock them steam engines down. I can't let them guys always think <laughs> that they're the... They're, they're the toughest out there. I gotta, I gotta knock them. I gotta knock them down in reality once in a while. Oh, that was that was a really, really awesome exhibit, and we appreciated uh, bringing it up there. Hopefully, you bring something else back someday. Yeah, I'll come back up there. I, 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 I try to go to different things each year. Like this year, I went to Oshkosh, and I, I was gonna come up there, and I ended up turning my head into a tomato because I got sunburned. Um, <laughs> So that just, I just felt awful, and I'm like, I am not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it is, but I feel like um, even in the the gas tractor stuff, comparing like say Holt or Best or Caterpillar uh, stuff to the rest of the Prairie Tractor lineup, but to me, I don't know. It just always seems like that the Holt Best Caterpillar stuff uh, really outperforms some of the Prairie Tractors that were out there. I mean they really had their shit together it seemed like when they were designing that stuff they were cutting edge yeah. i mean yeah uh i mean uh, holt wasn't very cutting edge but it was just i don't know they just run they yeah. just raw uh, best was cutting edge power yeah. yeah they just make a ridiculous amount of power yeah. and i don't even know why but they nailed it down right i mean the the holt engine design you're talking is like 1905 mm-hmm. and it didn't change after clear up into the almost to 1930 the like with the whole 10 ton in that they they their engines were so robust mm-hmm. and so powerful and i i don't even i can't explain it but they just got it right right out of the gate i mean i'm sure they were more expensive than than say uh uh 36 yaltman taylor or any of the other big oh i think they were twice the cost yeah but I feel that if they were out there more than some of those prayer tractors, I feel like some of the prayer tractors wouldn't have ever existed. I feel that that they would have just took the 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 spotlight for all those people from the farmer to the road builder to whatever. And because I feel, I mean, just say take that thirty six Altman Taylor as a tractor that lots of people believe is probably one of the best out there for a prayer tractor. Uh, I feel like a good Holt 75 or even a Cat 60 just put it all to shame for the oh, maneuverability, the operability, and the power. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the Cat Sixty come out in nineteen nineteen. Yeah, with mm-hmm. Best. Mm-hmm. I mean, so night. I mean, essentially, you could buy a modern Caterpillar in nineteen nineteen. Yeah, and something that pretty well physically takes up half the footprint of a large prairie tractor, with the same yep. amount of power and everything else. And still have the it was, belt pulley and all that, so you can run yeah. all the other implements and everything. And right, it was it was wild what they were doing out there compared to what we had going on out here. Sure. So you were touching on steam engine there a little bit, put them to shame there. But, uh, I mean, eventually at some point in your, I mean, you talked about a model steam engine you had earlier. I mean, what drew you to steam a little bit there? Well, I started with steam, like, I mean, I, I mean, other than the little lawnmower stuff and the little cleat track I had, like I talked about, but I, I bought a scale model steam engine right after that. And then, um, finished that up and got it working and then i bought a port huron i think i it was i don't know 2003 or four i bought a 19 horse port huron mm-hmm. and that, that's uh, what really hooked you i'm sure yeah because that was well Kool-Aid you know, there. <laughs> right drinking the kool-aid <laughs> but so that was the only i guess we'll call it a big tractor that somebody could afford was a steam engine because uh-huh. you couldn't afford a big tractor. Right. Sure. But hey, I can afford this steam engine, and that's and that's pretty cool too. So um, yeah, I mean, I like everything. I'm not, you know, some people are like, oh, only this, only John Deere, only International. Da 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 da. Yeah. I, I like everything. If it's an old boat, I, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. I like all old stuff, anything old. Sure. Mechanical, whatever you know. Mm-hmm. Out of you know, if out of all of the steam stuff that you've owned, I guess currently you you still got a what a thirty case and a sixty five case. Like, what was kind of your favorite steam piece out of all that? You even didn't you own a center crank case at one time? I had a center crank. Yeah. Um, but you know, a center crank is nice to look at, and that's it. Yeah, it's, I <laughs> think you're right. I think that's about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. That's about aesthetic. it. And, yeah, uh, that thing was just horrible to drive. Everything was in the wrong place. But they didn't know any better at the time, and I guess you had to fail to succeed. Sure. Well, they had so, to ask the user, like old Port Huron. That's yeah. why you went there. Yeah. Well, that thing, a little old lady could drive those. <laughs> I mean, those are those things handle great, but they're like a Ford Taurus. I mean, they're they're reliable, they're good, but you're not going to pull a house, and you're not going to, um, you know, cut huge logs with it. It's just a good, reliable unit, and. Sure. So I guess that's why those were popular, I suppose. But mm-hmm. um, I guess I've had all kinds of weird steam stuff. And yeah. then, you know, I guess you got into airplanes, antique airplanes. And, and that's something that uh, my dad and my grandpa and I have, uh, oh, not so much recently, but back in the 90s and all that kind of stuff, was into antique airplanes. And I always felt that it in our aspect of it, it just kind of went hand in hand with just being the mechanic type thing it was something mechanical it was something that my dad and my grandpa got into that we enjoyed and then i later got into also and you know obviously working on them is one thing but then learning how to fly of course and all that kind of stuff but uh that antique airplane stuff i mean it's to me it's a lot more primitive than even the tractor stuff you know because it's not like you're gonna go take your holt 75 and say you're gonna fly somewhere you know but literally in some of these antique airplanes that's the way it is it's the same technology I, it ain't yeah it's like a harley in the sky yeah yeah <laughs> i mean a piss poor one <laughs> <like> that sometimes <laughs> yeah it's pretty um, but again they're 
they were trying all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, I got started dabbling with that because I needed something else to do. Yeah. Because, I mean, not, not that I should have got more to do, but sometimes it's nice to break up the monotony of the same old yeah. whatever you're doing all the time. So I wanted to fart around with something else. Sure, sure. So I started doing that. Well, first I started to learn to fly, but and then I didn't want to pay nobody to fix anything because uh, the airplane, again, we know, is a lot more in the sky. Yeah. Why would I pay somebody a bunch of money? So then I got my AMP mm-hmm. so I can fix my own plane. I'm not going to deal with, you know, that. So I don't know. And Well, when you're a capable what, guy, it's expensive to yeah. pay somebody to work on your airplane. So Right. It just didn't end. make sense to me. Sure. And... I'm glad that, you know, and again, back to fixing this stuff, I do a lot of diesel, mm-hmm. do a lot of airplane, do a lot of lawnmower, everything. So when we're working on something here, I can say, oh, I got this weird problem, and I can relate it to something else over here. You know, if I got a strange problem here, I can say, you know, I had this plane that did this, and oh, boom, bam, there are the Rumleys running again. Yep, yep. Yeah, and speaking of diesel stuff, uh, I mean, you, you guys have ever stored a few antique trucks and stuff like that as well, right? Oh, yeah, I got, to, yeah, it looks like a truck warehouse here. There's Peterbilt's. There's, 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 <laughs> yeah, I guess I forgot. I, I always, when I sit here and think about uh, you and antique trucks, I always think about that old Peterbilt you used to have. And then I kind of forgot about here recently. You've bought a few more uh, old Peterbilt's and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I got a 248s right now, and I, I bought one. Because I, I missed the one I had. I sold it to a good friend of mine. And so I said, I'm going to buy another old truck. I like my old truck. And I bought a truck. And then I was calling around looking for parts. And the guy's like, oh, I got this one. And I the guy sent me pictures. And I'm like, oh, I like that one too. So then now we got to have two of them. <laughs> you know. Darn and, the then, and then Tyler that works here with me, he's like, you know, I really like those Macs. I I run across a real nice L model Mac and LJ. I said, "Here, Tyler, you want this?" So now we got an LJ out in the driveway. We got two forty-eight Peterbilts, and then I got the other one I use to haul the tractors around here too. So it's just, you know, it's like a, a truck warehouse right uh, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, old trucks are like old caterpillars. You always got to have a parts machine laying around. Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't stop. No, no, no. And it's kind of nice to haul old equipment with old equipment. Kind of fits the whole thing. That's what Dad likes the most about hauling steam engines around with that '58 auto car, stainless steel auto car that he's got. Just kind of makes this or fulfills the scene essentially when you pull into a showgrounds like that. Right. It's. I mean, right. At the time years ago when I got rid of the other the red one I had, I was driving all over the country. Yeah. I mean, I drove around that tin can. I went from New York to to Montana in that in a 1952 Peterbilt, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, I'd had enough of it. Yeah. So, yeah. kind of, it's almost on the verge of the last thing you should be driving from New York to there for if you're trying to make oh, any t- all- time at all or whatever, you know. Yeah, I mean, I remember. When George sold the 3060 case, I hauled the 3060 case down to Ken Eaters. And this is what finally told me, get rid of this truck, you dummy. <laughs> is I'm, I'm, I go over the mountain pass at 7,700 feet. I'm going down the mountain, and that thing only had rear brakes. 
And I remember, you know, I always see these runaway ramps. And I remember I got to the bottom of the hill and I look back and the damn trailer is on fire. <laughs> One of the brakes caught on fire. Now, here I am. I got a 3060 case on the damn trailer. And I finally got the truck stopped and off to the corner. And I, I had a bucket. There was a bucket with chains. I dumped the damn chains out of the bucket. And I'm down. There's a creek there, like a little creek running along the interstate. <laughs> I go down there with the damn bucket. And I'm splashing water on the brake fire I got on the damn trailer with the mm -hmm. 36 case on the back. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing this. I need something that I can, you know, work with. Nah. And uh, and the time before that, I was hauling a Rumley E to, uh, where the hell did I take that Rumley E? Oh, out to Wyoming. And I never forget it. I go into a rest stop, and I again, I had the same old truck, no front brakes, no nothing. And I asked the guy at the truck stop, I said, hey, man, is there any big hills coming up? Because I said, I don't want to be on the news. I, I got a big radiator, Rumley E, you know, and that thing weighs a bunch. And he said, oh, yeah. He's like, there's a big one. I said, great. He said, when you see Abe Lincoln downshift, and I thought, what in the hell is the guy talking about when you see Abe Lincoln downshift? And I'm on Interstate 80, and no shit, there, I just before Laramie, there is a big Abe Lincoln right up on the hill there. And I said, oh, no, here it is. And it, sure enough, that that was that, that's that Sherman Hill or whatever where, that, where the damn big boy goes up. And that is... No fun. Mm. You know, again, in an old truck, here I am down the hill, and I just, so that's when I went, and I finally sold that truck, and I got a 78, which was like, you know, geez, this don't get, life don't get no better than this now with a 78. <laughs> light years, light years <laughs> yeah. ahead. Yeah. Light years ahead, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, geez. That's something we never really but, yeah. talked about on here. Like, as Jake was mentioning his dad's stainless steel auto car, something we never really talked about here is is hauling these uh, antique tractors and steam engines around and stuff like that. And it's kind of funny you tell your story about that old Peterbilt because, man, I that's it's still something that I really, really want is an old truck. And when Dad and I finally got a truck here a few years ago, uh, we were thinking, well, we need to get something old enough we can run historic plates on. So it's got to be 25 years old, you know, and... I'm looking at stuff, and at the time, it was just project after project after project of, of a truck to find. And I'm like, man, the last thing I need is another project. I just need to buy something that I can, you know, either somebody's already been through or whatever. Like, I don't have time for a project. And, like, in the end, we ended up buying a 93 W900 Kenworth, you know. And it's like, it wasn't technically an antique truck at the time. And, but it did meet the criteria of the 25 years old. But now looking back, it's like, I'm so glad I bought that truck. It has oh, worked yeah. so well overall. But there's still this inkling of me in the back of me that, like, Dad sent me, I don't remember what it was. It was like a 70s W900 Kenworth last night with a V12 uh, 71 Detroit in it. And I told him, I says, tell me where to send the check to. That's what I want right there, you know. <laughs> it's just oh, like yeah. in the in the reality it's the last thing I need, you know, but uh, oh, it, it it makes zero sense. Yeah. But it's cool. Yeah. 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 Oh, there's always those good stories hauling stuff around and it's a learning I've got process. So many it's, it's oh, terrible. Yeah. yeah, it's a learning process along the way too in old trucks and everything else and 
there are some pretty sketchy rigs that come rolling into steam trucks oh, too, yeah. man. That's... Man, there used to be this guy. His name was Marion Nichols. Uh, he lived. Oh man, I can't remember that. He was from Iowa, and I don't remember what kind of truck he had, but it was an old truck, 60s, 70s era, whatever. He'd he'd haul his 16 horse Russell down the Hamilton, Missouri steam show on an old low boy truck or an old low boy trailer, you know. But this old semi he had had like a, a camper style, um, a truck bed style camper tucked up over the top of the cab of the semi, you know. So he'd come rolling in with this freaking uh, um, RV or a truck bed camper over the top of this semi, pulling this old low-buy trailer with the 16 Rustle on it. And he hauled that thing all over the place like that. He'd take it to Mount Pleasant like that and everything else. And it's like... If I drove that thing, the DOT would have me locked up in jail, you know? I mean, there wouldn't be no doubt about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes it looks so bad that they don't bother you. Yeah, they don't want to touch you. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they don't want to mess with you. Yeah, yeah. So what are you working on currently in the shop for projects? Your own or Uh, customers or whatever? Gosh, okay, so with with the, whatever, four or five of us here, it's always a juggle, like... What are we going to have parts for today? Mm-hmm. Or we'll get into something and get it apart because it takes three months to get parts or whatever. So I don't know. I'm trying to think. We got there's a Townsend power unit, uh, 2550 nickels. Um, let's see what else is in here. Townsend power unit, nickels. Didn't even know Townsend uh, made power units. Can't say I've ever the seen only one. one. Only one. <laughs> there you go. Was the uh, like the thirty rumly thirty sixty size or the smaller size? No, it's the little. It's the the fifteen twenty five or whatever it is. The middle one. Yeah. Um. Huh. Uh. Let's see the nickels. The. It's weird. Th- uh, I, was in, I was just sitting here running through my head what this thing would look like, you know, because I'm, I'm like, sitting here thinking a, like what a boiler and a steam engine. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking. No, like, it's it. <laughs> It's got a little radiator on it, like a Rumley. It's okay, got the exhaust okay. goes through a stack, and it's got panels on it, just like a Rumley cooling panels. Okay, because I'm sitting here and, thinking, uh, like, well, I guess it looks like a skid, just like a Rumley skid engine or whatever. And then I'm like, no, this damn thing's probably got a boiler like or something. A, like it's a just, legit no wheels, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, right. I know. Yeah, it's just an engine on top of a boiler. No, it's not that. It's not that dumb, but it's close. <laughs> um, but I'm trying, uh, 2040 Sawyer Massey. Um, let's see. What else? What's in the other building? There's um, 3570 Minneapolis. Um, we just finished up a 4080. That left. There's another. Let's see. There's a 4080. Another one here that we're working on. We're just starting into. Um, a Rumley F. They were getting ready to mess with and another Holt 75, and then there's a Holt 45 in the other shop, the engine. Oh, I don't know, a little bit of everything. Sure. Stuff for George, and then like Tyler's working on a steam engine. He's got his engine here he's working on, and uh, another guy that's here, Josh, he's got an Alice Chalmers, he's working on a 2035, and I got a, my truck that I've been messing with, mm-hmm. and then I got fire trucks sitting here that i i bought some building full of fire trucks and i was just getting them running and i was going to sell them 
let the next guy collect them because I don't need to start a fire station. <laughs> um, so, um, I don't know. There's just so much, and that's just what's like right around me sure. right now out in the yeah. shop. Yeah. The yeah. It, there's the yard is full of stuff. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, there's um, yeah. like you say that constant parts juggle of what do you what do you have stuff for today or or whatever i mean we deal with the same kind of stuff of you know in the end of the day you got to keep everybody busy and got to keep stuff going out the door so you got to figure it out right it's it's a lot of planning you know and i gotta my mind is like i'm always going 100 miles an hour i gotta ask tyler half the time what am we doing like <laughs> i i gotta go you know he says this or that oh i said okay you know or we always, everybody talk, we always get together in the shop and talk about what we're going to do and this and that. So, sure. because half the time I can't keep it straight because there's just so much, you know, running in and out of here all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of fix it jobs that come in. Like there's a Rumley L here and a Rumley six and it, they're just tune up jobs. Mm-hmm. There's a, oh, there's a square radiator Altman Taylor out in the driveway too. That's here for a tune up and a, and a whatever that just, got dropped off mm. and another round another round radiator on the tail i mean they're just they're just it looks like somebody shot a tractor gun out in the yard they're just <laughs> they're everywhere yeah yeah well that's the way it goes when you're in the business like that that's for sure i mean i'd rather be busy i mean i guess that means we're doing something okay well, if we're busy that's the truth yeah anything uh on the outlook for adding to your collection coming up no, I don't. The, the next piece that you'd like to have? I always tell people, and nobody believes this, but I don't look. Yeah. I look a little I look a little bit, but I mainly pay attention. Mm-hmm. And I sit and wait for something because I like to I like to find like real nice low hour stuff or original stuff for yeah. myself. Yeah. That's Yeah. That's the stuff that I like personally. I used to never be like that, and I feel like I've been more like that in the past couple of years or whatever, just because it always used to seem to be that hunt of the next thing that you wanted or whatever. And then, like, I mean, sometimes you'd get that thing, and then you'd say, then another one would come up or whatever, and it's like, man, I wish I would have held out for that one or whatever, you know, and paid a little bit more for something a little bit better or whatever well and i and i i tell people that all the time and they think i'm a grump or they think i'm mean i'm like hey guys look and buy a good one i I promise you won't you won't regret it if you buy the best thing that you can afford because you can't afford the bad thing yeah that's a fact and you've told me that personally for years and you know for a hard time that was kind of hard to swallow or whatever you know but it's just like that avery you like the amount of work that we haven't had to do to that thing is just makes up for everything in the end you know of having a tractor that in my mind is priceless that i could never part with and just a pretty great tractor you know well and that's it that was like well i got a tractor where you guys got the tractors yeah, from yeah yeah and that Emerson was like the tractors that you guys got. Mm-hmm. We all got exceptional examples of a particular model or whatever because that farm or that man right there had a good eye early on mm-hmm. and the family or whatever, they cared for stuff. Yep. yep. So 
I mean, and I think we can all sit here and say that none of us were looking at the time that we stumbled upon those tractors. No, it was uh, it was an accident. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was like, hey, what's this? You know, it's like seeing a squirrel wiggle in the bushes. Yeah, (laughs) and you go over there and you move the bushes, and all of a sudden it's like, whoa, you know, there's a bunch of squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's kind of what. Go ahead. No, and 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 that's kind of what happened. Is it was like, oh, this. This stuff, even the stuff we thought was bad, there was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was just crazy. Yeah, you know, and they were great people, and I was just I'm glad for that whole experience. Oh yeah, I couldn't ask for better people and honest people, and you know, I remember the first time I laid eyes on that Emerson you got, it was you know through the pine trees, and Jake and I were looking at each other, what is that? What you know, the, I was like, what is that? That's thing? a freaking emerson just sitting right there in all its glory with a tree grown up through the front axle you know right trees yeah yeah <laughs> it's just yeah, uh, I thought... the, the last thing you really you know i mean i think we could all like say that we've been somewhere and say there's been a you know a wd international or a john deere b or a or something grown up in a tree or whatever but that's purely but not the an last, emerson yeah that's the last thing i expected to see peeking through the trees that day you know yep I, I'm right. It's right. There can't be but a few things like that left out there in the trees. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, that, just the minute you think that nothing else like that exists, and there it was. Well, it's like that 30 advance that come across Facebook that you found that I got yeah. out of Washington. Yeah. That was the tree growed up in between the connecting rod and the engine frame had been there so long. Mm-hmm. Few and far between. Yeah. Few and far between. Yeah, they're just, I mean, Maybe in the '60s there was stuff like that, but yeah, yeah. To, for today, for some of it to be around, that means you're pretty far off the beaten path. Yeah, sure. I think so. Yeah, and it's like you said, that gentleman—he had an eye for what he wanted and what was still good. And and I think that we can also hear and say that the guys collecting things back when he was collecting things, they just collected the good stuff. They didn't collect the junk. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was. I think everything that was at that place got drove there. I think so. Oh yeah. 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 Sure it would have been neat to, to meet him and, and visit with him. Right, and find out more. I mean, yeah, yeah. so first much hand first hand stories yeah. wise. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's we could say that for a lot of guys like that. Oh yeah. yeah. So how was that Emerson uh you know, once you got home and got the thing running and started playing with it and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you took it to Wasia on this year and you know, I can't say has anybody ever really had a. I mean, you had it on the pony break and everything else. Has is, is anybody ever really done that? No, no, they're scared of them things. Yeah, <laughs> there probably I mean, hasn't been one on a pony break in since the Nebraska test. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Emersons have a bad reputation because of the engine design in them, the way the connecting rods are made and everything else. And, and knowing what we know today, we can keep an eye on things and pay attention better. You know, they didn't know back then if there was a weird sound coming out of the engine that, geez, it's not supposed to knock. Yeah. yeah. You know, they didn't know that. They didn't know that about steam stuff or this. I mean, they just didn't know. So they are a little sensitive to an issue but all in all I, I i gotta say that i mean we've plowed with we've plowed with a big 430 nobody does that because oh they'll all explode mm-hmm. I, man we ran that big 430 that's like 
it's just as nice as an Altman Taylor or anything else. It's it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three wheeled Emerson, that thing drives like a car. I mean, I, I my daughter drives it around. It's so easy and so pleasant to drive. I don't think they were a high quality machine, but they were pretty cutting edge on some stuff. Surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Except and I mean, for what, what, what is it? The carburetor's down underneath or something. What what was it you had to lay down on your back to adjust there? When you oh, that stinking carburetor. So, again, Emerson... <laughs> <laughs> they Emerson wanted to make sure you wildest... every drop of dirt in the engine as it was running? Or oh, what? it was awesome. Pull, well, pulling its guts out on the brake, and here's Justin laying underneath the tractor adjusting the carburetor. <laughs> well, because I... Yeah, because that's you know, it's where the needle's at. It's under the... It's on the bottom. But they most of the Emersons, again... Back to that farm again. Most of Emerson's got the carburetors. Uh, Emerson had a in the parts book. They they changed the carburetors out, but that one still has its original goofy carburetor on it. And um, so, yeah, just who runs exhaust through the middle of a carburetor, <laughs> Emerson? Yeah, you know because that makes sense. Well, that and even belting the thing up that. The steer, oh, yeah. steering yeah. wheel is over on the very right side of that tractor. Yeah. The belt pulley is on the left side of that tractor, and there is sheet metal between you and it, and you, cannot, you can't see right. You can't see the belt pulley. Can't see nothing. Yeah, what are you going to do with this? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a guy down on the brake pointing to the left and pointing to the right, <laughs> and someone behind Justin tapping him and go a little bit this way. And I don't Yeah, and of course, you know, three wheels that don't steer that good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And production numbers probably pretty low i assume i mean how many survivors i don't think they i don't know there's less than 10 of them i think Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure of that um i don't know how many they made um i i know that the q replaced them right away Mm -hmm. i think they only made them like and the q was the four-wheeled version that still kind of looks yeah the q is the four-wheeled version yeah yeah. Uh, and i think they only made the three-wheeled like 15 and 16 and then the q came out in 17 and 18 you know emerson was trying to be better they really were sometimes that trying to be better thing and low production numbers and years go by don't really mix there you know it's like well i was talking to chris one of the guys that works for us earlier today and we were talking about say case engines you know case engines made thousands of engines case made thousands of engines so they had time to get feedback from customers and get feedback on how things should change and what they wanted to you know make something like that was better for the user or whatever where some of these manufacturers just didn't get the chance to do that because they didn't make as many or or very many at all of a certain thing or whatever you know right they didn't have the network no no they were just you know a couple guys building stuff in their house or small shops and yep yeah, and he was asking me, he was like, well, who, you know, who else did make changes and stuff? And like, well, like I could say, Advance made changes, you know, I mean, they made several changes throughout the years before they were bought out from Rumley and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's not a lot of other manufacturers we can sit here and talk about, uh, steam engine wise anyways. I mean, I feel like tractor manufacturers were different, but they were definitely later in years. Uh, but steam engine wise, I don't feel like uh, a lot of manufacturers of steam engines changed very many things over the years. You know, it was pretty much well, and they also hit a wall. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, all the manufacturers plateaued. hit a wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely played. They they had nowhere else to go. Yeah, yeah. Yep. 
But there was a couple of you manufacturers know. that they got their design pretty well right on kind of the sure. first go. Oh, yeah. And sure. it, it, it helped for them. the majority of it, it kind of carried through for the rest of the manufacturing years. Yeah. Uh, some manufacturers right. didn't didn't fare that way, but no. Uh, there, there were definitely some never some that figured had, it out. Yes, some, some <laughs> never figured it out, and people are still scratching their head trying to figure it out today. <laughs> right. But yeah, your I guess your mainstream companies they all figured it out. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I, I mean, I, I will say with gas tractors, everybody had the best idea because their the <laughs> gas stuff was wild. Like the stuff we work on, some engines are sideways. Some are in line, some are upright. Lots of innovation differences, yeah, it seems like, yeah. Yeah, nobody could figure out what the hell to do. Yeah. yeah. But Steam was all, here it is, this makes sense. Except for the outliers. Gas tractors, even the mainstream companies, had their own thoughts. Yeah. And it seems like some of the weird stuff in the gas tractor world anymore today is the kind of the desirable stuff. Stuff that shouldn't really exist today that still does because it didn't work. That seems to be oh yeah. the, the oddball yeah. stuff is the stuff that people like to see. Yeah, yeah, well, the failures. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like that Brian I had. That thing was awful. A contraption, like, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, that thing was. I mean, oh, like we were I, talking I about make... production numbers of the like, Emersons. Like, how many Brian steam tractors were built? Do you have any idea? Right around a hundred, uh-huh. and that's it. Yeah, I don't think. And is that all Brian ever did was say make them tractors? They never did anything else or what? Oh, well, they made boilers. They made some. Uh, I mean, that was their main business was boilers. Mm-hmm. Um, they they tried. They built a car, uh, but they only made like one or two cars. Mm-hmm. Um, but they started with the tractor, then they ended up going into commercial boilers. Based on that design, though, that that never changed. Mm-hmm. So, but the tractor just—I I mean, you owned one personally and all that stuff. I mean, uh, you obviously figured it out and figured out how to make things work. But it, did it ever really, like, in the end, work? Work? <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. If yeah. you got lucky that day, or what? Well, no. I mean, it would work. It just—it wasn't. It, Again, here we are. Go, Got to go back to 1930. It all depended on the fuel, the mm-hmm. temperature, the whatever was going on outside. And then they just, I don't know, they were just, they sold you saying it was going to be great, it was the answer. But it was a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. I mean, too many, I mean, valves all over the place, pipes and tubes. Nobody understood that. And I think the reason there were so many of them things, you know, I think there's six or seven of them are left out of a hundred, which is a phenomenal survival rate. But you had to be a weirdo to buy one. Sure. And and weirdos save everything. Mm-hmm. So I think that the reason there were so many of them left is because strange people bought them because they thought, oh, this is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> so um, none of them are wore out. All the ones that are out there that I've that we've worked on, they're all like new. I mean, is and, the reality of sitting there running that thing all day long a real reality? Uh, it works great. I, uh, one one thing I will say, it's like running a water heater. It works great till it doesn't, mm-hmm. and then it's like, oh no, 
we are, are we going to burn our face off today? Are we going to shoot steam on our buddy? <laughs> um, you know, what kind of... Pick your poison. What, yeah. yeah. What do we got today? Yeah. Is it going to backfire and everybody's going to scream? You know, what... <sighs> that was the problem with it is it was fairly reliable till it wasn't. Mm. Where did you go about... I mean... Where did you go about learning how to even s- start with the dang thing and and how to run it? I mean, is like say a Stanley Steam car even remotely the same when it comes to firing in one thing or another as that thing or not? Identical. Identical. Same systems. Hmm. Um, so there was a guy in our area. His name is Howard Johnson. Super nice guy. Older guy. He had five or six Stanleys. And I got a hold of him because, again, sometimes it's easier to ask somebody for help that's already been down the road. And I got a hold of Howard, and I went over there and spent a few days with Howard. Howard showed me, this is how this works, this is how that works, do this, do that, you can do this to be better, blah, blah, blah. And spent a lot of time with Howard, and that's how I learned how to work on the Brian and it obviously took the the tips and the pointers that he gave me and just just ran with them and either improved on them or whatever you know mm-hmm. and and got it to work but uh Howard was a was a uh I mean he is a spectacular guy I mean he was just a wealth of knowledge on the Stanleys and again you're talking there's only two three four people in the whole country that really understand them and he's one of them Mm-hmm. Did uh, did you ever have that on a uh, prony brake or a dyno or something? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that thing I plowed with it, put it on the brake. What did, what, um, did, what did it put out for horsepower? Just curious. So there. it could it was on. I got sixty, sixty three or sixty four out of it, but it couldn't sustain that. Oh, it could sure. do it in a short burst, uh-huh. but the the boiler did not could not keep up with it. It could sustain around 30 horsepower and maintain, you know, 550 pounds of pressure. Mm-hmm. Mm. But if you pulled it harder, boom, it was gone, you know. Sure. And well, in short bursts, it had gobs of power. What did they rate the thing at? What, what was it called? Depends what book you read. Well, what, what <laughs> 1527. Book? I was, was going to say, what, what book is Justin reading? <laughs> well, there was... <laughs> There was a, uh, there was like a twenty-seven sixty, uh, fifteen thirty. There was all different huh. ratings on them. Was it and were two cylinder? All generally the same tractor. Uh, no, Brian made three or four different tractors. Oh really? Oh yes. Uh, they were two cylinder, four by four. Two well, that's not very big. No, that's not very big at all. Yeah, but it had six hundred pounds of pressure, piston valve. And superheating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so six hundred psi would be right. Yeah. What RPM did the engine run? I uh, like so the engine ran at like around three and a quarter, but it had um, it was the belt pulley ran at two fifty. So there's because it, it went gearbox through a gear reduction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Made it usable for the for the farmer of the time or yeah. whatever. Right. Hmm. But I mean, uh, 
it, it worked. I mean, but like I said, pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah. What uh, What about the Baker steam tractor that uh, that Jared's got? What uh, What can you tell folks about that thing? <laughs> so that's another Brian idea, kind of. But instead of using liquid, it uses coal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it had like a I pulver, like a stoker. Yeah, yeah. Yes. It had like a pulverizer. It's got a pulverizer and, whatever, and, right? a, and a stoker on it. Um, so one of the projects that where it's on our list is to bring that here and make it work properly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to bring that here and set it all up because again it's got an automatic feeder it's got like a a burden tube on it that runs the stoker and the feeder that senses pressure and that thing is pretty cutting edge too in a lot of ways but by 1930 they were done with steam i mean yeah yeah you had too many good tractors i don't even i'm not sure what year that thing is i think it's mid to late 20s probably um I wouldn't know without looking in the literature, but I, I don't know. It's like it just didn't make sense anymore at that point. Yeah, they were grasping. Yeah, and that thing's high pressure. That's like a that's like a two hundred and fifty or three hundred pound boiler on that. Yeah, it seems like I remember it running there at Forest City the one year that I guess it kind of did run, and it was I, I remember three hundred being a number there and it seems like couldn't keep the cylinder head gaskets in it or something it was, kept blowing cylinder head gaskets out oh i think it was yeah steam, steam was really wet or something i don't know something was not quite right yet but a super super neat piece of equipment we're gonna revisit that thing and and get it ironed out yeah that'd be that's neat. that'll be really cool. that that is the plan work and when we get it done we're gonna work it it will work it's Do- do any others exist except for that one? There's one in the Henry Ford, but it's a different. Oh yeah, it's a bigger right. one. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different model. Um, I think it, and this one's kind of more. I think the one in the Henry Ford has got like a box boiler on it, like a. I think it's a water tube boiler, and this one is a fire tube boiler. I see. Um, it's um, uh, this one's kind of like a, a return flue or something. I I, don't it's, quote me on that. Yeah, it's definitely like but a it's, double pass boiler yeah. of some Yeah, sort. it's like yeah. some weird double pass thing. Because mm-hmm. um, it's got a blower on it and everything else to yeah. Yeah. like a furnace blower to draw the 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 heat through it. But I don't remember exactly the design of it for sure. Yeah, that'd be neat. I know the firebox of it is behind it. The firebox isn't even in the boiler. Right. It's in a brick line box behind the boiler and the fire gets drawn into it yeah and it doesn't draft hard enough on its own that's why it has to have that blower to essentially just substitute the force draft on the thing hmm. right yeah back to that i don't know what the hell they were thinking thing again <laughs> it's it's well it's <laughs> they, like a it's like an industrial boiler is what it is it's what it is is a if you think about it it's like how a house used to be heated yeah, yeah. With the stoker and all that. So yeah. that was the technology that's on that and the double pass boiler. What those you guys are boiler guys, that would have been more of a factory or a or a, a stationary boiler setup because it was efficient. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of had traction engine boilers figured out 
by that time. Oh I'm yeah, not why really they, sure why they thought maybe they they'd reinvent that. But. Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take the dump and make it work again. I, yeah. I guess I don't know. That's a you know you got to have a challenge. Oh yeah. Um, well, it's definitely something different. Yeah, not very many people can say that they've worked on a Baker steam tractor before. Yeah. I guess while we're talking about boiler stuff a little bit, so Monday, uh, Jake and I got to go tour um, North American Safety Valve, which is here in Kansas City, because I recently was able to get kind of hooked up with them uh, about getting becoming kind of a supplier for them for safety valves, and uh, Jake had mentioned to me about going down and, and kind of touring their facility and seeing what it was all about and you know, they set safety valves there in-house and all that kind of stuff just to kind of go get acquainted with them and, and see how they do it more than anything. And I'm sitting here thinking, that, you know, it's like, yeah, I guess it'll be okay. You know, we'll go down there. Probably won't take that long. And, you know, it's got to be pretty straightforward. And, man, we walked down there, and it was like a eye-opening thing. Like, uh, like we come to find out that this North American safety valve that's right here in Kansas City sells, like, 40% of uh, Kunkel's supply throughout the year or whatever. Um, I mean, they have, they, they so they set uh, uh, air uh, safety valves, steam safety valves, and water safety valves, and basically have employees there full-time uh, setting steam safety valves off live boilers and all that kind of stuff, you know. It was it was pretty neat, and not to mention the the inventory they kept in stock and all that kind of stuff. It was it was pretty eye-opening and pretty neat to see how they do it all down there and to talk to those guys about modern safety valves that uh, we're trying to use on these traction engines today and basically the dissimilarities of what the old original safety valve is, um, you know, that the traction engine would have came out with originally and all that kind of stuff. Can can you get them to make those again? <laughs> well, it was kind yeah. of an interesting. So we talked to the uh, QC manager. I, well, we talked to the. We met up with the salesman that I had been talking to, and then got hooked up with this QC manager. And it was a uh, like I'm pretty sure he would have took us out back and murdered us if yeah. if it was up to him at first. You know, you guys, and, you guys have steam engines. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, a bunch of scraggly looking dudes. Yeah, it was uh it was a little tense there for a minute, but then we kind of explained to him, you know, what we were about and, and how we operated versus what it kind of generalized down to is that he had gotten a bunch of bad feedback back from customers that had gotten safety valves from them that were sold to them through salesmen that basically didn't tell North American safety valve, what they were going on, how they needed to be set, how they needed to operate and function, because what the ASME standard is for how the safety valves need to be set versus how they really need to be set that's still within ASME standard, uh, but for the application of the steam traction engines are two completely different things. And he was basically catching the blunt of it from some customers that were rightfully unhappy with what they had gotten, but they were unhappy because basically it was false or failed information that got back to them of, of really getting them what they needed and, and the way that it would pop off and blow down and, and one thing or another to meet the needs of uh, these steam engines that we run today, you know. Right. Well, hence the reason both of my engines have the original pops. Sure, sure. Because <laughs> I don't want to wake the dead. 
if one goes off. Yeah, yeah. It uh, it, it was neat to go down there, and, and like I said, they had two operating boilers down there because it says under, you know, ASME spec that they have to be set under steam and all that kind of stuff, and you had these guys sitting there at test benches, uh, basically popping pop valves all day long and, <laughs> and setting them off. You know, and it, it's kind of when we yeah, showed up. See if you can get them to Mount Pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, showed up to the building, and all we hear is you know these expels from around the corner of the uh, building, and trying to figure out what's going on. Well, then we get back to the testing room, and mm-hmm. basically there's these big old funnels that all these pop, pop valves are uh, you know popping off up into the vent outside or whatever you know. And, that's great. Uh, pretty interesting. But, I mean, they, uh, I asked them, uh, I said, what's the likelihood of me calling up here and ordering a safety valve and, you know, the availability? Because usually, like I say, if I call up one day and order a safety valve, it's shipping the next day, which is pretty fast in today's world. And I asked them, I said, well, what's the availability of these safety valves? Like, uh, how many do you stock and one thing and another? And, He's like, well, you know, for the certain model that you normally purchase and one thing or another, he says, we have like three to 400 of those in stock today. And I was like, wow, I mean, they just had warehouse shelves full of this stuff, not to mention giant safety oh, yeah. valves. Industrial. Indu- for industrial, yeah. All sorts of different apparatuses. A whole warehouse floor full of safety valves that were three to four feet tall, Yeah, you know, sitting around there and one thing or another. It was a very impressive place. Uh, it's kind of funny for being in Kansas City. I mean, I'm in Kansas City all the time. Never drove by this place. Never been to this place. Figured never I was, was going there. Yeah, figured I was going to see some mom and pop place with some guy smoking a cigar in the corner, and that was not the case whatsoever. Yeah, you know, pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Very so. professional, really. Yeah, yeah. So, not to get off subject there, but I just uh, it was something kind of neat that we did earlier this week. No, that that would be neat to go to. So. That's behind the scenes yeah it is yep try to make two worlds collide that are kind of separated anymore by time and new code and all that stuff and we're still trying to figure out how we can exist together so well justin i think uh we're gonna call it an episode here um we really appreciate you having or you being on here with us and kind of sharing your background and and uh all your knowledge here and and everything else yeah no problem thanks for having me so well we appreciate it and uh hopefully we'll see you again this summer at a show and uh go from there and uh you know, if you have a new project coming in or, or some some sort of new exciting thing going around the shop, don't hesitate to reach back out to us and, you know, kind of fill us in what's going on at the shop and different restorations and all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of, you know, we didn't really even touch on some of the different stuff that's came out of your shop and everything else. So more than likely, we'd, we'd really like to have you back on sometime and, and touch on those different things and go from there. Yeah, no problem. Call me up anytime. <laughs> all right. Well, we appreciate it. All right, guys. Thank you. Yep, see ya. Bye.